0: welcome to narrow way to broadway a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts each episode is designed to foster community for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike by navigating topics affecting the hearts minds and homes of
1: artists everywhere thanks for joining
0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway. My name is Philip. I am one of the co-hosts of the podcast. And I am just really glad that you have decided to join us to check out what we're what we're doing here. So we are in season four of Narrow Way to Broadway, which is so cool. And who we have today, his name is Kevin Jenkins. A lot of you probably know about already because he is one of the most requested people that we have had to have on to the podcast. So I'm glad that we were able to get some time with you, Kevin, and say hey to the people out on the podcast worlds right now.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me here, Philip. It's awesome to be here, and I can't
0: wait to, um, again, to to be a part of this community. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we are, as I said, really, really excited for you to be here and just Before we get started, give everyone kind of a rundown of who you are, where you are, um, maybe some highlights in your mind of your career, um, your very expansive career. I've learned online of all the places you've been, Um, but yeah, just just give us a thirty thousand foot of who Kevin Jenkins is. Who Kevin Jenkins is? Yeah,
1: right now I'm sitting in an apartment in Miami, but I currently live in San Diego. So uh, the main thing about my career right now is I travel a lot. I get I get to go all over the country and choreograph and everything from ballet companies to contemporary companies to um, even to musicals. I love musical theater and I started there and um, really branched more into the ballet world over time. And I've done music videos. Uh, I've done, you know, dance films and pretty much everything in between. And I think some of the highlights of my career, I believe, were uh, getting to choreograph a full-length ballet about Charlie Chaplin at State Street Ballet, getting to choreograph a piece called Still Waters at Ballet 5.8, which is a Christian company. I know we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. a little later on. Oh,
0: yeah. And um,
1: mm-hmm. And for six years, at the beginning of my career, I actually had my own company in San Diego, and that was a wildly formative time, a great time for experimentation. I look back on that with no interest in ever having a company again. It was so much work, but I look back on that with such fond memories because it uh, really kick-started my career. So that is kind of a brief overview of where I've come. And again, I've choreographed, I think, for over, like, 50 companies, you know, a bunch of universities, and uh, I just I – love, I love travel, so it's a good thing that I get to do
0: what I do. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, I guess the best place to start is – What is it about dancing? When did you get your start dancing? What has kept you dancing and choreographing and um, being involved in this world as an artist? I think what, I'll, I'll
1: kind of start in the middle. What keeps me dancing and what got me interested in dancing are the same things. And it's there's no other art form that is such an intellectual and physical pursuit. Because when you look at the other art forms, you know, painting, uh, even music to a certain extent, you know, the music you, it is physical to a certain extent, but dance is just so wildly physical. I mean, you really don't get any more physical than dance. And yet it's also uh, incredibly uh, intellectually demanding when you're choreographing. And so I am so drawn to those two types of things because that's the two sides of my personality. I'm, I'm incredibly physical, but I'm also hyper- living in my head all the time. And so when I was in college, I uh, I was taking a gymnastics class because I just needed to wake up in the morning for my academics and that was gonna be my PE credit. And one day in gymnastics, I absolutely destroyed both my wrists. And so that was God's first step in pushing me in a place I never would have imagined being. Uh, The next semester, just on a whim, I took a jazz dance class for the same reason, just to wake up in the morning, just to get moving. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I was terrible at it. I was so bad. (laughs) And, and I literally got the teacher to flunk me because you couldn't take a class that you had already passed. So I'm like, I need an F in this class because I've got to take jazz one again because I suck. Uh. And so he, he was, he graciously obliged. He flunked me in the class. I took jazz one again. I got a little bit better, you know, and continued on from there. So I didn't start dancing until I was 18. And Wow. Uh, yeah, within about a uh, 18 month period, I would say I was I was dancing full time at college, and I was enrolled at a performing arts um, studio uh, that was focused solely on training like professional dancers, 18 and up. And so I was dancing probably six hours a day at college, and then another six hours a day at the performing arts school. Um, you know, I was easily dancing 50 hours a week. It was crazy, but it made you a lot better really fast. Uh, and so I just kept going from there and somehow I ended up with a career, even though I started incredibly late. So, um, I think that's what keeps me dancing is just, I, I always hope that, you know, first of all, as I get older, I hope I can keep, I can dance, you know, (laughs) the body breaks down a little bit. So every day I'm just so grateful for whatever is working. Mm. Um, and I think the thing that keeps me dancing is the, I'm going to quote Paula. Um, ah, there was an amazing woman, Paula, she's a graphic designer. I forget her last name, but she said, uh, my greatest hope is that my best work is still ahead of me.
0: Mm. Wow. That's so cool. Honestly, I'm, I'm shocked that, that, you know, that 18 years old is when you are getting your start. You said you were in gymnastics and things like that. Is that something you grew up doing or um, no, do you not think really. that formed? actually I wow. I've always been physical. I was
1: um, you know, I would be, I would do handstands as a kid and I would do, I love doing cartwheels and all this stuff, but um, we, we didn't really do organized sports of any kind. Mm. I did a yeah. little league one year, so I didn't actually start gymnastics till I was in college. So again, it was more wow. recreational. It wasn't like I had been competing at like, you know, a really high level. And then all of a sudden I switched over to dance. I really hadn't done anything physical beyond a bunch of, you know,
0: neighborhood sports up until the point wow. in which
1: I started dancing.
0: That is so, so cool, Kevin. I think about like myself when, I mean, my first time really ever being in a dance class, which I mean- in high school, I was in like show choir and stuff like that. Nice. And, um, you know, community theater growing up, but what my, my first real introduction to dance, period was my audition for, you know, was for theater school. Oh, and sure. still to this day, you know, like, I I am not a beautiful, graceful <laughs> <laughs> um I'm dancer. But that's really, really, you know, inspiring to someone I feel like me and I think it's probably the story of a lot of guys that end up in the arts world it especially is. they end up dancing that it's not something that you initially um it, it's not a lot of times the gateway into no. you know the career of dance which i know sometimes can make our friends that are girls that have been doing it since they were oh, gosh itty bitties i know. i not feel happy. for them <laughs> so oh, we're sorry no. if, if
1: you're listening i know though. It's, it's a lot of it's a lot of male privilege to deal with. Yeah. I realize that. <laughs> um, but I think it's you know it's hard because it's it's weird when it's not something that guys are encouraged to do. Yeah And so we all have to find our way into it in this random, securitist way because we're not just dropped off at a ballet studio when we're five and it's the the thing to do, right? We're dropped off at football and, and baseball. And so to become a dancer, it just it's very, very rarely. Your first choice, you have to kind of, it has to kind of find you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this moves directly into something that I'd love to, to chat about for a second. Do you think you've ever faced specific challenges being a male dancer, um, a person of faith, just in general? I know growing up for me that that was, um, you know, I remember it was maybe in high school. Yeah, it was in high school when a friend of mine's mom owned a dance company and you know, they were like, I don't, I don't know if you should go and like take dance classes, even though they're asking, mm. because you know what people, people might say, like, that's weird, or mm-hmm. my church doesn't really, you know, might not feel great at your friends. And um, have you personally had any experiences with that or walked through those kind of situations with, with people you know before? Yeah, you know, what's funny is, I think, because I started so late in life, people are so much more
1: accepting in college, you know, I yeah. think, oh, absolutely. I think, you you, the only the only thing you need to believe that we are all sinful people to our core is just you have to look at kids kids are terrible terrible people you know like (laughs) and right because you know a a boy in your class starts dancing and like your first impulse is just to make fun of him and tear him down right Um, it's right. It's just the way kids are. And so the fact that I didn't start dancing till later saved me from all that. Actually, I, I, you know, Mm -hmm. I started dancing in college where everyone was like super inclusive and really excited for, I mean, especially any, uh, anybody who wanted to be a male dancer, gosh, they needed you and they gave you, you know, as much help as they could. So I really sidestepped that. And that was a huge blessing. I feel like where I felt, uh, more, I don't know what you would call it. I suppose discrimination or just an oppressive nature is really more with my faith because mm-hmm. uh I love the arts world it's where I live it's uh it inspires me but it is not welcoming to Christians mm-hmm. for the most part it is um you know it's 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 made up of people who are awesome but they tend to have a fairly liberal viewpoint and I have a fairly liberal viewpoint with lots of things um but I found when I lived in San Francisco specifically, um, it was okay to be anything in San Francisco, just don't be Christian. Mm. And so, uh, I really, at that time, I didn't, I didn't really share my faith with a lot of people. You know, I would sit at, you know, at the restaurant after shows and I would hear people just, you know, we would talk about everything and they would just rant and rave about like how terrible Christians were not knowing I was a Christian. And so it wasn't directed at me because it's not like they found out I was a Christian and they started throwing glass bottles at me. But it was just this oppressive nature uh, in the city. And while I love San Francisco, it was um, one of the greatest places I've ever lived. Uh, it was it was not welcoming to anyone who was really
0: religious. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've I have felt the the exact same pressure in different places I've been. I've worked primarily in the south too, which you would think it would be mm. a little more you know, accepted, right, you think and, it'd be
1: religious there, yeah.
0: Yeah, you you would think that it's a little more, you know, friendly and here it's kind of like, "Oh yeah, it's it's cute, you know, like, oh, mm. Phillips, the Christian kid. We don't really like curse or talk about certain things <laughs> around him." And then um I was I was having a conversation at work today about this and um a lot of times when it comes to that, it's, it's almost this like, not almost, it is, you know, the Holy Spirit and this righteous conviction, I think that just carrying God with you and around you and people knowing that you're a believer, it's the Mm -hmm. set apartness that we read, read about in scripture that, you know, makes people feel maybe uncomfortable when they're around someone that's a Christian and they like to, not that they like, but, um, it, it, conviction isn't the most fun thing to feel. You know it's not you know it's not um, It's not not a blast. but <laughs> um, you know I for example, I was in New York a couple weekends ago visiting some friends from college and kind of had this realization of wow, I haven't seen these people since I graduated from school almost four years ago. Mm. and there's no reason that we should have like a friendship connection really anymore. But for some reason, you know, when I post on social media, hey, I'm going to be in New York, I want to hang out with people. I have these people that aren't believers, you know, that I haven't mm-hmm. really been connected with with co- in college, reaching out saying, hey, I'd love to see you. And we sit and we have conversation and just the conversations I was able to have with those people and um, not to glorify myself, but to glorify God and just help build them up and encourage them and um, just be a friend to them. I don't think I would have if it weren't for, you know, God allowing me to still be in their yeah. life, despite it being there, there being no reason for me to continue being a part of like an active part of their life. Yeah. Um, I think I think too, as human beings,
1: we are both drawn to and repelled by what we need. Yeah. And we all need God, we absolutely need God. And so we are drawn to people that have that have a sense of faith, that have a sense of purpose, mm. that obviously uh, at times have a sense of peace, not again, not to yeah. glorify ourselves. We are yeah. all wildly flawed individuals. But um, I think looking back at my time in San Francisco, I think I would be more fearless because I think, first of all, I wouldn't have had to put up with a lot of this, the the stuff I had to hear. I think, I think most of my friends there were actually fairly understanding. I don't think they would mm-hmm. have said the things they said if they knew I was Christian, but I think it would have opened up room where people could ask questions where i could be open about my faith not that i necessarily would have been like walking around preaching all the time but again i think uh it wasn't till till later that i really learned to take the the bushel off of my light as it were Mm -hmm. and and not be so afraid of letting it fly because um i think it can be scary but but most but all power is scary um yeah You know, it's especially the power of God, especially the power of God in us, the Holy Spirit working in us. That is scary because it is volatile. Um, Mm. You don't know what's going to happen. But like you were saying, sometimes you end up with these relationships where like, I don't know why I'm still friends with this person, but obviously God is making it so. And I'm just going to kind of go along for
0: the ride and see what he has in store. Absolutely. Um, I want to pivot a little bit here just for a second to talk about, um, You know, the thing that initially introduced me to who you are, and that is the piece Still Waters that you created. Um, And you created that back in, it was, well, it premiered back in March of 2020, correct? It premiered in March of 2020, about 10
1: days before the entire world shut down. It was literally one of the last ballet performances that happened in the United States. Wow.
0: Yeah. That is unbelievable.
1: That was surreal alone. I mean, the experience uh, of creating the ballet was incredible. The experience of seeing it live and then seeing, wow, like that was God let us do that. But that was such a narrow margin. We almost didn't make it.
0: Yeah. Gosh, it's so cool. And honestly, I think a reason why I even came to the knowledge of you is potentially because this was one of the last things that was created and Mm. there was footage of it and I was seeing it online at least that the algorithm knew that it would be yeah. something that that I would be interested in seeing um, and it kind of pushed it to the top of, mm-hmm. of the surface in the arts and the dance profiles that I follow on Instagram and, and stuff like yeah. that because I wish I could dance like the people in, the, in the oh my gosh but yeah um, but yeah tell us a little bit about Still waters in general like how you became inspired by it what it's even based on. Um, as soon as you say what it's based on, people will understand why it's called still waters. Um, Yes. But yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's based
1: on Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I was literally reading that passage today because it came up in the Bible app. And um, it's, I mean, Psalm 23 it's it's like saying the Mona Lisa is your favorite painting it's it's such a cliche to say that's my favorite passage but at 1000% is Psalm 23 is full on my favorite passage in the Bible because every time I go through a different season there's something in there that I actually did I'm like oh wow this verse is reaching out to me and speaking to me and literally this morning I was reading it I was like oh wow I'm even getting new things from it today and so Um, when Juliana Rubio Slager, the director of Ballet Five, I reached out because again, it was, it was this cool thing. I started becoming a little more vocal on my Instagram. And I think I, I summoned the courage to literally put a verse in my, you know, my bio. And that Hmm. for me was a big step because again, the arts world is not welcoming to Christians. I, I sometimes worried in the past, what would happen? Would I be, um, you know, shunned? Would I be blacklisted from certain companies because they didn't agree with what I thought? And I said, you know what? It doesn't matter actually, and so I, I, you know, it seems small, but it, but for me, it was big at the time. And I put a verse in my profile, and I think literally within a week after that, Juliana emailed me and said, "Hey, I saw your profile on Instagram, and you know, I would love to talk to you about collaborating." And so we we talked for uh, this was probably a year, about a year before it happened, and and she just gave me carte blanche. She said, "Choreograph a ballet about whatever you want to choreograph it about." And I, it took me a long time to come up with something because I was like, wow, do I tackle a story? That's really tricky to do. And you know, how do you do like, mm-hmm. you know, a story from the Bible in 20 minutes? And finally, this concept of just still waters, I felt like there was so much there that could be peaceful. It could be about, you know, there there it could be about the valley of the shadow of death, you know, and there's so much in Psalm 23. And and I'm wildly inspired by nature. So I think a lot of water metaphors made it into the ballet. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that alone is why a lot of people resonate with it. But I think ultimately, I think a lot of people resonate with it for two reasons. It's because I think it's the, one of the more raw ballets I've ever choreographed. And it's, it's the deepest I've ever gone into a a, like choreographic process. Like Mm. I, um, I don't think I've ever committed as much emotionally, mentally, time-wise as I have to this ballet. Mm. And that's not to say like, um you know just by working hard things will be better sometimes the harder i work the worse things are you know it's it was it's you know as an artist it's an interesting paradigm but this one i just i just really i was just like okay lord you got to carry me through this and i i don't even remember a lot of the rehearsal process it was very taxing for me because um it was it was something i wasn't familiar with i'm not actually great at moving big groups around on the stage, which is probably hilarious to anyone who looks at Still Waters because it's nothing but big groups moving around on stage.
0: <laughs> I, I'm cackling hearing you say yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just,
1: it's it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And that was part of the point is I really wanted to. I mean, uh, short story about it, there was this one section and I was, I was like, you know, what, I'm going to choreograph this section. And I had this vision of sort of like a, a V of flying geese, you know, how they fly in a V. Mm-hmm. And I had this vision of like, this group of dancers that starts in a line and the middle person steps out and then two people next to her step out and the two people next to them. And we slowly create this V and then it folds back in on itself. And again, I would spend hours just like listening to the music and trying and like, and these, these images would come to my head and I'd record them all and then I'd use them the next day. And I choreographed this section where it's literally just a bunch of people walking on stage in this V and it was just so beautiful and I was like oh my gosh this is amazing like this might be one of the best things I've ever choreographed <laughs> which is saying something because for me I really love fast intricate movement I'm a little OCD you know I I like things that keep my attention and so I've always strayed away from like quiet calm things and so this mm. not only was this um this piece a departure for me because it was a huge group of people and I'm used to working with smaller groups but just even in the very nature of what it was it was a lot slower and it had to, I think, pull people in because of the 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 nature of how an ensemble works, rather than the intricacy of what one dancer can do. Mm-hmm. And and I just fell in love with this walking section. I was like, you know what, I want to post this on Instagram. And not that, um, not that posting things online and how people react is the end all, but I'm I'm cautious about how I post things online because I realize it affects me as an artist. And so sometimes, yeah. um. Sometimes if I post it, I just won't read the comments. I won't like even look at how it did because I don't want it to affect me. But I threw it up there and I was like, you know, this is, this is kind of like something different for me. And everyone loved it. Like of everything I've ever posted online, this one walking section, just, it seemed to speak to people. It seemed to speak to this need for like peace and calm and, and honestly, everything I've put up from this ballet online, people just write in and they're so touched by it. Um, you know, one, one person wrote in, they said, you know, my grandfather just passed away two days ago and I've been sitting with my grandmother for the last 48 hours and I was on Instagram this morning and I showed her the clip of it, Still Waters that you put up and it was the first time that we both felt like there was hope, that there was wow. that there was something beyond the grief we're feeling right now and i can't tell you how many people have said stuff like that which again speaks more speaks way more to god's power than me because a as an artist like i don't even remember really choreographing the ballet i have to give <laughs> all the credit to god and obviously yeah. as artists we put in the work but um but god did something amazing with still waters and then like i was saying we premiered it and about maybe 10 days later i think it was actually closer to a week the entire world shut down and and i and i had this cool moment um, sitting in the theater, watching the tech rehearsal. Uh, I've never been a big fan of watching performances. I get a little too um, self-conscious about seeing my work on stage. So I, I love the tech rehearsals and everyone's just on stage and Snaker is just walking stuff. But I just watched the whole ballet. And I had this thought, I thought, you know what, if this is the last thing I ever choreograph in my entire life, I will feel that God has given me, everything i needed this i am fulfilled as an artist like this is i'm good and and then a week later the world shut down i was like oh wow that might genuinely be the last thing i ever choreograph (laughs) um and i'm blessed to go on and choreograph many other things now but it was just i don't know the whole experience was just so surreal god was in every part of it and um you only get a few of those i think uh as as a artist i think i'm incredibly blessed to have way more than um than my fair share. So that one I think was probably the most special.
0: Yeah. Gosh, that's amazing. And personally for me, I haven't seen the entire thing. I've just seen the clips that I've been able to find online of it, but it is, it has touched me. And I think it's so cool that God, you know, inspired you to create this piece specifically, you know, going into the season that we've, we have are walking through still yeah. currently um, because it's like Psalm 23. I've heard so many Psalm 23 sermons. We've talked about Psalm 23 on the podcast so much. And the way that, you know, you choreograph in this, uh, honestly, my first thought when I look at this piece and I was trying to remember what I, what it made me feel when I watched Mm. it for the first time. And there's so much unity um, Mm. in your, in your piece. And, I think that's just so beautiful that that's what God inspired you with for it to represent this scripture and to carry people into, you know, this Valley of the shadow of death that we, that we're still in. And I think I just um, want to say, thank you for that. It's it's really special. Yes.
1: No, thank I mean, thank you. I it's, I think uh, when I was, when I was planning it out, there's always this part of my brain where it's like, okay, I have a concept. How do I translate that to dance? Because dance is not literal, right? It's different than I have a feeling I'm going to write a song about it. And there's lyrics Mm. where the audience will understand what I'm feeling. So it's tricky to convey that through dance. It's one of the least literal art forms out there. And in thinking about Psalm 23 and thinking about, you know, I got this vision of the Valley and I sort of had this feeling of Mm. sort of like a, like almost like a uh, inverted triangle, you know, yeah. walking through like a chasm as it were so I I use the image of a of a you know sort of like that that flock of geese that triangle look. Mm-hmm. but I also realized that the thing that gets us through the valley of the shadow of death of course is God but a lot of times it's community mm-hmm. and so I would sometimes use the dancers as this sense of support as this sense of um, cohesive just love and care they were sort of surrounding the main character yeah um who who was obviously kind of the one going through things most of the time and yeah and i think that ended up speaking to people because and i think too uh, going back to what i was saying earlier as i found my voice as a choreographer using large groups i think i like doing different Mm. things with large groups than a lot of choreographers do i don't like a lot of like you know like you do one thing you do another thing you do another Mm. thing i like i like a lot of unison i think it shows the beauty of like how powerful it is when like 15 mm-hmm. people come together on stage and do one motion. It's really, yep. really powerful. And again, that's, that is a part of, I think, getting through the Valley of the shadow death is we need
0: people. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good, Kevin. Um, Just one like practical question that I am thinking about is I know a lot of times my friends that are dancers are, um, you know, choreographing pieces for themselves for dance reels or, Um, you know, the theater company they're working for will say like, Hey, we're going to do a dance showcase for our summer season or whatever we're working on. Um, and they get a chance to choreograph then. And they're always like, man, I wish I got the chance to, to choreograph more. How do you do it? (laughs) Like, how do you figure out how to do that? (laughs) You have any, I'm sure you get this question all the time. Like, how, how did you find your way to becoming, um, more of a choreographer, I guess, just from what I'm seeing online than a dancer.
1: Yeah, it's 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 such a challenge. It's one of the few art forms, I think, where there's not a very clear path. Right. You've 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 been in musical theater. So mm-hmm. the way to get a job in a musical theater is you show up to auditions, right? It's very it's not it's not an easy road, but it's a very clear road to a certain extent. Yeah. Um and same thing for dancers. Dancers know to show up to auditions. Again, you send your reels to company. And for choreographers, they, I was like where's the manual? Has anyone written a manual on this? Does anyone have any idea how to do this? And it turns out there's not like a very codified system. (laughs) So yeah, I love giving dancers advice because I don't feel like they should have to struggle through what I struggled through. I think that's a little unfair. I think, Mm -hmm. I think someone should have written a manual at some point. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) so I'm just sort of like verbally writing it throughout my life. So yeah, the, the path is, um, is actually fairly simple. You just have to do a couple things. You have to choreograph a bunch. And yeah. I think sometimes as dancers, we wait to have opportunities to choreograph and you can't do that because those may never come. They may be few and far between. If nothing else, choreograph on yourself. If you're not a very good dancer, which quite frankly, some choreographers are not the best dancers. I'm not the greatest dancer in the entire world. Um, the dancers I work with are far better than me. So go out and find dancers that are better than you and convince mm-hmm. them through, you know, pizza or, you know, telling them you can dog <laughs> sit, dog sit for them, yeah. um, you know, pay them if you need to, whatever, you know what I mean? I know when I was young, I just, sometimes I just, I would just ask and a lot of dancers, you know, they're like, they just want to dance. And so if you catch them when they're not that busy and just be like, Hey, do you want to hang out for two or three hours in the studio and just work on something? Half the time they'll do it just for fun. And so I just started doing that. And then I, I did form my own company, which became my platform for um generating work for finding my voice as an artist to be honest i think there is simpler ways i don't think you have to form a company Forming a company involves a lot more than choreographing and all i really want to do is choreograph so that's that's why i folded the company after six years i was like <laughs> i don't really actually want to direct a company i just want to choreograph but the point is you just have to find ways to choreograph um yeah. and eventually i think sometimes you have to like fundraise you know like find a way to like rent a theater and like get a video of a good piece, a piece that you are proud of, a piece that you can market and then market it, you know, send it to companies, send it to dance companies that you think would, you know, stylistically be in your vein, some somewhere that's going to fit and, you know, send them an email, follow up, you know, um, don't, don't harass them, but be, be persistent. I think you have to, you don't have to shout, but you definitely need to speak loudly to be heard at this point. There's a lot of choreographers out there. in In 2014, Forbes listed as the number one most competitive job in the U.S. Forbes magazine said there's nothing more competitive than being a choreographer, and wow. that says it all. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough industry, and. Um, and from the artistic side, so that's practical advice as far as like how to get your choreography seen out there. I will give you one piece of practical advice on the artistic side. Uh, this is what changed for me um, and really catapulted me, I think, to a different level. And this is honestly the main technique that that I use to, to create still waters is a technique called dreamscaping. It's not a very well-known concept, but it's something most of us do without thinking about it. And, you know, I put on music and... I see dance in my head. And I, I've talked to a lot of dancers, most dancers, this happens to them at times. And I had an epiphany a while back and I was like, Oh, you know what? Like the dance I see in my head is actually better than the dance I'm creating in rehearsal right now. Mm. So, so the only thing that's going to, it's that's going to be needed for me to become a much better choreographer is I just have to remember what's happening in my head. I just have to tap into this side because again, God, you know, the more we learn about them about the brain, the more blown away we are. There's so much going on in our brain that is so much more powerful than just the 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 logical thoughts we can think of ourselves. There's so much creativity hidden in our brain. And so when we let go and kind of tap into that, whether it's going for a long walk, listening to music, um, I honestly get a lot of my best ideas when I'm driving in the car, when I'm on a train, when I'm on mm-hmm. a plane. When I'm just in the shower. Some, a lot of times it's when I'm going to sleep, which drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> but you know <laughs> you know, it's, that, it's that concept that when your brain is you give yourself space and time and room to dream, that some really cool stuff comes out. So the more you can mm-hmm. tap into that as a choreography, I think the better off you're going to
0: be. That's amazing. Very, very practical advice that's so hard to get from people especially in this industry it's like you know you gotta do this and then you have to stand on your head and then believe in yourself three times and believe just keep
1: at it you know just don't ever give up it's like that that's not helpful don't tell me to never give up tell me what to do while i'm not giving up
0: and and it's really so it's so hard you know (laughs) the last thing we want to hear is humans periods forget individuals is like you have to do it a lot you know i know we hate that we hate it. And there's a quote that I've heard recently, and I hope I I don't butcher it. But okay, if there's something that you don't want to do, but you know, you should do it, then do it. And that has been like, my just life motto, (laughs) really recently, thinking about it, because there's things every single day, every moment of my life, especially in my new position where I'm like, Okay, I could, you know, maybe send that email, but it could wait. I'm like mm-hmm. no that's a person on the other side of the line that's waiting for information from me mm-hmm. send the email philip <laughs> yep have you ever um, read the
1: um have you ever read the war of art
0: you know what's funny my microphone is sitting on top of the book the world oh my god of art hilarious. Right <laughs> and the answer is i've read the first 20 pages of it honestly that's all you need to read i don't think i've even
1: read the whole book i mean it's it's maybe 100 pages in the entire concept it comes down to if there is something that you are terrified of doing but you know you need to do do it because we are the more the more we need to do something the more we're terrified of it so actually if you start viewing that fear as basically a, a big x on the map that's where the treasure is. Right. Yes. So, yes. you know, for me, um, for me, what I am most terrified of, this is going to sound funny. I am most terrified of prepping choreography before I go into rehearsal. Mm. And um, I think, I think the reason would be is when I, first of all, I actually, I think it is a good thing. I, I choreograph most of my stuff in the moment. I think for the most part yep. that is a good thing, but there is a level sometimes to which I need to go that I need to really prep ahead of time. And like when I was choreographing Chaplin, that meant, you know, I would go home from rehearsal in the afternoon, I would take a two hour nap and then I would go back to the studio and I wouldn't leave the studio till like 2 AM. And, and, you know, that was what it took for me to get to the level I wanted to do. But I was terrified every night driving to the studio every day, every day before still waters, I would sit and map out the ballet. And for some reason I was just terrified of it, but you know what happened is great stuff happened And it's, it's always those things where just like, Oh, I'm so terrified of doing this. It's like, use that as a beacon. It's like, Oh, okay. Well,
0: that's absolutely what I should do. Yeah. Gosh, that's so cool. Kevin. Um, We talk about run to the fear here on the podcast. We even have posts on social media. It kind of encapsulates everything that we just talked about. So yeah. Run to the fear, do those hard things. um, And that's the
1: perfect way of putting it. That's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah.
0: So is there anything that you're working on right now that like you can share about or something that you've just gotten finished working on that you're excited about right now in your career?
1: Yeah. The, the ballet I'm working on literally right this moment is, is the longest ballet I've ever choreographed. So that's exciting. And it's been in the works I think for like three years. And so, you know, of course it got sidelined by the pandemic, but It is, um, it's, I started working on it around the same time as Still Waters and it's a piece called Deco. And that is both a reference to Art Deco. And it's also an acronym that we decided stands for Dance of Eclectic Cultural Origin. And it's a piece about Miami. And uh, yeah, it came about because I'd worked with this company here in Miami Uh, called dimensions dance theater of miami and two former miami city ballet dancers founded it and the company just blew up in the first five years like really really amazing stuff happened and so we'd collaborated once and then we had talked about collaborating again and we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do it about and here in miami it's just there's so many uh different cultural groups and you know like half the people in the company are cuban and then you know like Half of them are, you know, just like Caucasian and just like from all over, like totally different people um, that make up this amalgamation of artists. And that's also very indicative of Miami itself. It's just so many cultures living in the same place. I don't think there's anywhere like it in the U.S., honestly. And so um, I found this piece of music by Arturo Marquez and it has this it's orchestral, but it has this very Latin feel. So I thought, oh, my gosh. If I was ever going to choreograph to this piece, I feel like Dimensions would be the company to do mm. it because they could really they could really go nuts. And, you know, I've got a jazz background. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, we can like make it really like a jazz ballet. It won't be classical. It'll just like it'll be so much fun. And so we started diving into it. Uh, we got a really, really amazing grant for it from the Knight Foundation here that basically is funding most of it. Um, there's a set designer creating a backdrop and there's an amazing costume designer creating specific costumes for it. So it's been this huge collaboration that again has been wildly derailed by COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am finally back in Miami. I just completed, I think my fourth week of rehearsals and we have three more weeks to go.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, and it's going to be a 40 minute ballet and it's just going to be kind of all these vignettes about Miami. And, um, you know, there's this, um, there's a lot of, again, a lot of art deco in the buildings here in Miami when you look at Mm. the older structures. And so I replicate that in some of the, the forms we take on stage. There's, it's, it's very, there's just a lot of interesting lines I think in the creation and that kind of reflects the deco, but then also there's, it's Miami. I mean, Miami is crazy (laughs) and Miami is like this amazing place. It's also like, you know, it's just so bonkers. And so I was like, how do I capture this? you know, there's like hurricanes here, there's horrendous traffic, you know, it's all about the beaches. Like Miami is so many different things. And I really, I think it's about 11 sections make up the ballet. And we, you know, we just started running it this week. And honestly, I'm so excited about it. It, it really, I think is one of the best things I've ever done. And, and I think part of it became better than it was going to be because of COVID because, yeah. you know, every, everyone who watches my stuff online, You've probably seen me do, again, a lot of detailed, intricate, very musical work. That's that's sort of my signature. And coming back after COVID, I think we had, the original cast was eight people, and I think we had two people left of that original cast. You know, because of COVID, half the company had to move on to other things and find other jobs, and like, people just like decided they were going to retire, you know, like all this craziness. So we kind of had to build the ballet back from scratch. And so I had to move really fast and you can't create a lot of really, really intricate detailed work really, really fast. And so, you know, I already had half the ballet created. And so the new half I think is so different than most of the things I've done. It's like wild and kind of uninhibited, you know, like I, I just, I I just give the dancers like, I'm just like, okay, I want people like running across the stage. Okay. Now everyone, (laughs) like everyone turn on two and run upstage, you know, it's just, I'm trying to try different things because we just have to get the ballet done but what's happening is I'm I'm really I think growing as an artist which is the yeah. most exciting thing right um, so I think really. I think especially once you've had a career for a while it's it's scary to change because at this point my livelihood is literally linked to my ability to choreograph right if mm-hmm. I choreograph horrendous work for the next two years like no one's gonna hire me ever again you know what <laughs> I mean that's that's a reality I deal with. And so there's a, there's a part of me that's always afraid of trying new things. But again, like we were just saying, like running towards that fear is so valuable because whether you fail or not, you will find out so much new stuff. And I think at that point, it's hard to view it as failure. I think any learning experience can't be viewed as failure. Uh, and so I'm learning so much here. It's amazing. I'm super excited for the premiere on November 13th
0: uh, here in Miami
1: and um, you know, just kind of like buckling down and trying to stay focused yeah. and trying to get enough sleep in the process.
0: Awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Well, to wrap things up, this is a pretty loaded question, but we love to end this way. Um, is there something that God is teaching you right now in your life personally as an artist? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I that's such a great question to ask, because I think, again, practical, right? We can talk about so many things, but the rubber hits the road and like how it has gotten moving in my life. That's something so good to think about. And for me, it's actually, I feel like because literally most of my day is spent being an artist. I, I talk to God a lot about my art and I feel like God often teaches me lessons through my art, through rehearsals. Mm. And, and there'll be, I can tell there's spiritual things he's trying to grow me in and he'll like do that by things that happen in rehearsal. So actually I'm God has been trying to get me for a long 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 time to relax and not be so type A and not be so OCD and like everything has to be this way and this way and this way. And honestly, he's teaching me that, that through the ballet, through being back here in Miami, just being like, yeah, like the part of you that wants to control is is fear-based. The reason you want that is because you are afraid, right? Most control most control freaks are afraid at their core, and that's mm-hmm. true of me. And so the more God is, is showing me that like, no, like, trust me, like you think that the world that that your little world is good because you're controlling it, but the opposite is actually true. Like your world will get so much better, the less you control, you know? I mean, I could not have come into a more uncontrolled situation when I came mm. back to Miami in terms of the state this ballet was in. We, we, it was all up in the air mm. and this ballet is now something so much bigger and better than it would have been if I had finished the ballet in 2020 and there was no pandemic. God has used yeah. this time to show me that sometimes having everything fall apart is the best way for God to enter more, right? For a, uh, There's a great quote, art is a conversation between the artist and God and the less the artists say, the better, so, you know, wow. if he, right. And if, and it's, it's, again, it's like, I have to get out of my own way and let God take over. And that has been a huge lesson I've been learning this month here in Miami. And I feel, I feel like a different person after the last four weeks of of learning that lesson with God. Oh gosh. Can you say that quote one more time? Art is a conversation between the artist and God and the less the artist says the better.
0: And isn't that what we all need more of yes. to say less? I, know. <laughs> I think it's artists all the time. Yeah. Uh, we are consistently trying to say so much. Um, when it comes to the way we do church, we're trying to minister to every single mm-hmm. aspect of every single person. Every time they walk in the doors of a church, every time, mm-hmm. in a small group. every time you get coffee with someone and isn't it, you know, if we haven't learned anything, over the past year it's we need to listen and do less. Yeah. Um, And gosh, what a beautiful note to end on. Um, Kevin, is there any way that people can keep up with you um, and the work that you're doing?
1: Yes, Um, Instagram is always the easiest way. I post there regularly. So it's just Kevin underscore Jenkins underscore choreographer. If you just type in Kevin Jenkins choreographer, you'll find me. Um, I I love to share, of course, my work there, uh, a little bit about my faith, and often in my stories, a lot of memes. So if you like
0: memes, follow me there. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing today. So many beautiful, beautiful spiritual truths I feel like we got to hit on tonight. And I feel like God's just so practically speaks through you, um, through yeah. your work. It's so clear um, your intentions and and that God is is speaking and moving through you as an artist. So I just want to say as, as a fellow believer and brother in Christ that, you know, God is super proud of you and the work that you're doing. Um, so keep at it. I know we said, keep at it. That's what people say, but, um, you know, it's, it's really beautiful. The work that that God is doing through you. Um, and I'm excited to see more.
1: Thank you so much. This was a beautiful encouragement. And, um, and I can't thank you enough for doing what you're doing because again, um it's wonderful to to be able to talk about these kind of things to be given a platform and and I, honestly selfishly i just love hanging out with fellow christian artists on podcast you know what i mean like i was just like <laughs> oh this is gonna be so fun we, like yeah. you know i mean obviously the goal is to bless other people with it but mm-hmm. i think i think just being able to share fellowship with fellow
0: christian artists is just such a blessing so thank you for this podcast and for having me on no we appreciate you thank you kevin um Thank you for listening, everyone, today, and we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. We release new episodes the first and third Monday of the month. For more information on what we're up to, follow us on Instagram at InwayBWay.